I rarely have to think too hard to find a way to let the scriptures of the week speak to the issues of the day. And this Sunday was no exception. As we come to another story in our narrative journey through the Hebrew Bible. Here in 1 Kings 12, we have two rulers vying for power, seeking to strengthen their influence, consolidate their power, and maximize their ability to control outcomes for themselves and the people they rule over. Hmm. Wonder if there's anything like that going on in the world today. Anything in our U.S. House of Representatives, for example. Or anything in the various divided branches of our federal government. Or anything in the Middle East. Or in Eastern Europe. Or in Asia. Or in our local communities. Our churches. Our families. Our personal relationships. Now before I go further, some of you may be skeptical about my one-word sermon title. I know my spell checker didn't like it because I completely made up the word. Sometimes when the right word doesn't exist, you just have to create one. You've heard of other ocracies, the Latin ending C-R-A-C-Y means rule. A democracy is a rule as rule by the people. An aristocracy is rule by the elite. An autocracy is rule by a self-absorbed dictator. A plutocracy is rule by those with wealth. A bureaucracy is rule by a bureau or office or agency. A theocracy is rule by a divine being. So naturally, an insecure autocracy <laughs> is when someone rules by their one's insecurities. That's my new word. Start using it. <laughs> Spread it around the internet. Google will learn it, and the Oxford English Dictionary will pick it up, and I will be remembered and significant. <laughs> and I will have, have left a linguistic legacy. Now, what I just did was demonstrate the anxious mindset of an insecure autocracy, the fear of being insignificant or being forgotten or of losing power and influence. At first, when I read through this story about King Rehoboam and his new rival in the north, Jeroboam, I asked myself, what in the world is there to say today about this messed up biblical monarchy? And then I began noticing things that looked all too familiar. The continual insecurity of people in power. And I began to think maybe that's what God saw when God looked on these beloved people these people who begged God for a king and to whom God finally relented and gave a king despite the dire warnings that God gave them. God looked on God's people and God saw people who had not yet learned to trust and to rest in God's provisions 
Most of all, God saw kings who did not know how to trust, how to be humble, how to be open and receptive, how to believe that God would provide all that is needed. And as I saw what God saw, I started seeing this same tendency in me. And in just about every human being I know. And I saw it in just about every politician and head of state in our world today. No matter what the form of government, insecure autocracy finds a foothold and begins to take over the decision-making process. Instead of leading as servants of the people, as servants of the health and well-being of all people, they lead as protectors of their power and influence. They lead out of fear of losing the next election or losing whatever gave them power to begin with. So before we look at this story of Rehoboam and Jeroboam, let's look at the backstory a bit. Who were Rehoboam and Jeroboam? Rehoboam was the son of King Solomon. Solomon was the son of King David. The giving and grasping king that we heard about last Sunday from Lynn Jost. Solomon turned out to also be a grasping king, even more so than his father David. Now Jeroboam was a servant of Solomon, not a son or heir to the throne. But late in Solomon's reign, things got off the rails. Solomon was worshiping foreign gods. He was cruel to his subjects, and Yahweh was not pleased. So a prophet met Jeroboam, the servant, on the road, claiming to be a prophet of Yahweh, and told Jeroboam that he would be given ten tribes of Israel to rule over as king, while Rehoboam would get only one, Judah, the region of Jerusalem. And that was only so God could keep a promise to the descendants of David. Word got back to Solomon about this, so he tried to kill Jeroboam and squash this rebellion, so Jeroboam fled to Egypt for safety. So Solomon dies. And then today's story. Rehoboam sets up his throne in Judah to rule all of Israel. But people friendly to Jeroboam fetch him in Egypt. Jeroboam and company show up on Rehoboam's doorstep and beg Rehoboam to shift course, to not rule Israel with the heavy hand of his father Solomon. They promise in exchange for his kindness that they will serve him loyally. Rehoboam takes three days to think about it, consulting with his older advisors who agreed with Jeroboam, consulting with his younger advisors who told him, don't lighten the load, make it heavier. And since Rehoboam was ruling by his own insecurity and apparently also had insecure advisors, he took their advice to clamp down harder. Jeroboam's group 
returned for their answer, and Rehoboam said, I'm going to make my father's yoke heavier than it was before. He disciplined you with whips. I'll use scorpions. So Jeroboam and his followers basically checked out. They said, we don't need any part of David and his clan. So they scattered around the north region and lived as an independent nation with Jeroboam as king, ignoring Judah and the house of David. But as time went on, Jeroboam's own insecurity got the best of him. He was afraid that people of his ten small tribes up north would start drifting down toward the big and powerful Judah, and that Jerusalem and the temple that was there would be a magnet, and they would forsake him and be loyal to Rehoboam. So ruling by insecurity, he set up rival places of worship and put up golden calves in Dan and Bethel and built little temples around them, established festivals, appointed priests. Now, our story ends there for today, but follow the stories of both the, these kingdoms, the north and the south, and you'll see the same pattern repeat itself. Worried and anxious about losing their power, they fail to trust Yahweh and instead put their trust in wealth, in military strength, in unholy alliances, and they continue to live out that destiny, king after king, to be insecuritocracies, continually grasping for control. Now, today, we may feel quite justified, and actually we are justified, when we point fingers at the political dysfunction in our own country and at the unnecessary wars all over the world between people who should act like kin to each other but instead are trying to establish control by killing their adversaries. It is senseless. It is tragic. And we are rightly enraged. And not but, and we have within us the very same seeds of insecurity which cause us, when push comes to shove, to also not trust in God's love and provision and instead try to coerce others to bend to our will and way. Now, sure, within us seems like small potatoes when compared with the likes of Rehoboam and Jeroboam and the 200 years of international family feud that they started, or when compared with the horrific violence perpetrated by modern nation states motivated by anxiety and insecurity. But let's be honest about ourselves. We will make better war resistors and we will make better and more ethical and more human advocates for justice and peace 
if we, first of all, steadfastly refuse to dehumanize any of today's perpetrators of injustice and violence, and secondly, recognize and confess the seeds of violence that lie within us all. Like us, these kings and princes and presidents and prime ministers are anxious about losing control. They are fearful of being insignificant or forgotten. Let us turn toward God and toward each other in a renewal of mutual trust, in mutual respect, in shared risk by confessing our inadequacy, our need, our sin. If we do so, we may yet make this world a better place as we follow the God that we have learned to know in Jesus. Join with me, please, in this prayer of confession. God of all nations, God of all rulers of nations, we acknowledge your providence over all people and creation. Our lives are in your hands. We are called to rest in you. Yet we often find ourselves anxious and insecure. We use the power we have to shore up our own interests. We defend ourselves against insignificance, against loss of status, wealth, or position. And in so doing, we betray our mistrust in you, God of enough, who loves and provides for all people and creation. We see this not only in the manner by which many of our leaders wield their power in high places, we see this in ourselves. Forgive us. God receives our prayers, loves us unconditionally, invites us to a new way of being together in mutual love, trust, and freedom. <laughs>